Thanks for being here this morning. If you have a Bible, if you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. It says, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And he heard things that he can't, that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my behalf, I will not boast except of my weakness. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given me in the flesh a messenger of Satan to harass me and to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insult, hardship, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We have been continuing through our book of 2 Corinthians, and Paul, the man he's talking about, is himself, even though he's talking about him in the third person. But my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, thanks for this morning. Lord, thanks for just your goodness to us. Lord, thanks for your grace to us. Lord, thanks for the blessing that you gave the church this past week, just to be able to serve and serve together. Lord, just thanks for the joy in that. Lord, we come together at the beginning of another week with concerns and cares and weaknesses. Holy Spirit, I pray you just encourage us through your word this morning. Just remove distractions. You would help us. You would teach us. And you draw us closer to yourself. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, they don't sell touring train tickets by showing you the inside of tunnels. If they're going to sell a ticket for a train ride and a touring, they're going to show majestic pictures of mountains and lakes. That's how they sell tickets. But in the kingdom of God, in the way of Christ, God sends you into tunnels so you can see majestic views. And what truth do we have for tunnel seasons of life? Or what and why should we trust God in tunnel seasons? I mean, this is what Paul was uh, dealing with in 2 Corinthians. He was much of this, he was in all these dark tunnels. This church that he had started, that he had helped, had in some ways turned against him. They had 
false teachers come in and say things about him that were not true, and they were pulling people away from the gospel. And all through this letter, he's trying to relay his love for them. And then he spent the last few sections of this saying, using their own techniques and saying, no, this is what we boast in. And he says, I boast in my weakness. The thing that he said he's proud of is his humility that he got ran out of Damascus in a basket we looked at last week. That's what he will boast in. He says in his weakness, and he talks about all his struggles. He'd been whipped, he'd been um, starved, shipwrecked, all these dark tunnels of his life. And then he talks about this unbelievable experience that he had, where he's he talks about it the way they would talk about it, in, in the third person. He says he was caught up into the third heaven. He was given this unbelievable vision where he was able to see things that we one day hope to see, that, not, not, that every eye shall one day hope to see in heaven. Paul was given this unbelievable experience 14 years earlier, and he never talked about it to anybody else. It was not something he bragged about, but he was able to be in the presence of God. And he goes, I don't know uh, if it was in the body or out of the body, but he knows it was real. And it was this unbelievable experience that he could have boasted about, but he never did. He never brought it up. But because of his love for the church and because of the situation he's in, he's like, I'm going to bring it up even though I don't want to. And then he says, after that, in verse 7, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me. God gave him this unbelievable vision. He saw what no human should be able to see and still be on earth and live and not, even, not supposed to talk about. He said it was, it was just amazing. He didn't talk about it. And God, to keep him humble gave him this thorn in the flesh to keep him from being proud. But what was it? There has been a long list of suggestions of what it was that the Apostle Paul has given. People said maybe it was his blindness, maybe it was a disease, maybe it was just a mental problem, maybe it was all these other issues. That went. There's all kinds of ideas through church history about what this thorn in the flesh for Paul was, and nobody really knows what it was. But you get a picture of what it might be if you look in verse 10. Because after he talks about it, after he gets God's grace, he says this. So he says, I'm content with weakness, insight, Insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Whatever it was that was giving Paul this thorn in the flesh, it produced in his life insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. He didn't like it. He he didn't want it. He didn't enjoy it. It's not something he was looking forward to. He was not a stoic. He did not say, yeah, I will suffer and I'll enjoy it. He went through this difficult situation, not enjoying it. It didn't, he didn't get encouragement by it. And we don't know what it is. And I think that's good. And I think that's the Holy Spirit's way of saying all of us have weaknesses. And if we knew what the Apostle Paul's weakness was, we could say, well, yeah, he got grace for it, but what about my problem? But the reality is you can put your problem in this situation. Something that you don't enjoy. Something that you are not encouraged by. Is there any help for that tunnel that you are in, that that season? There is. 
Because we don't know what Paul's was. We just know that God's grace was sufficient for him. But what causes weaknesses with us? What, what causes uh, struggles with us? If you look in verse 6 and 7, Paul had this amazing situation, amazing experience. Then it says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given to me in the flesh or a spike. They used to impale people on spikes. That's the word that he's using. This situation was like a spike, like someone being impaled is how Paul felt about the weakness that he was given. A thorn in my flesh, a messenger to harass me. Who gave it to him? Did Satan give it to him or did God give it to him? God gave it to him ultimately. God was the one who it says I don't want to, Paul, be, I'm bringing you up to heaven. I want you to see what I have in store because I know what you're going to suffer on earth. So he brings them up. He shows them that. And he says, I don't want you to be proud. So I'm going to allow Satan to buffet you. And Paul called it a messenger of Satan, even though it was clearly God who allowed it to keep him from being conceited. Satan would have loved for him to be conceited. That's confusing, isn't it? What, what causes weaknesses in our lives? Con- confusing things. When we think this is what God says, and then this doesn't quite work out so well. We, that, when you go through confusing seasons, that can create a weakness. Because you're like, this, this was Paul. He was like, God gave it to me, but he calls it a messenger of Satan. Weak seasons, tunnel seasons of our life are caused by confusing times. And it's not something that he enjoyed. I mean, this is not something that Paul wanted in his life. It was a continual pain to him. It was a continual drain emotionally, mentally, physically on him. When you go through times of continual pain, that causes weakness in our lives. That drains us. That's like a tunnel that we're going through. And it was just this constant pressure. He says, three times I asked the Lord to remove it. I I don't think it was just he prayed three times. God didn't take it. He's like, okay, I'm done. I I think it was seasons. where There was three seasons where Paul just prayed, God, take this away. You called me to serve. And then you're giving me this? This is like a messenger from Satan stabbing me. It's like a spike in me. Take it away from me so I can do what you called me to do. No. Take it away. Not going to do it. No. And then Paul says, I'm going to take that as God's will. And he never, he just trusted God in that. But those things cause weakness. That's the Christian life. Francis Fragapine said, there will be no knights in shining armor in God's kingdom. Our armor will have many dings and dents. No, no perfect Hollywood heroes will ride to save the day. Just wearied saints who look to God and in weakness find Christ's strength. This indeed is the essence of God's kingdom. Divine greatness manifested in common people. 
What causes weaknesses for you and for me is just confusing times about what God's doing in our lives, in our situations. Continual pain causes weakness to us. Constant pressures that we deal with. Paul had all of them, and he was still in God's will, but what comforts weakness? Paul, Paul took all of that, and he prayed. What's going to comfort you in your tunnel? Your, your season, whatever it is? For Paul, it was going to God in true prayer. He didn't go to God and be like, Heavenly Father, thanks for whatever. I mean, this was true prayer. This was God, I don't want this anymore. This stinks. I'm tired of this. I'm angry with it, Paul would say. I'm frustrated. Take it away. When you pray, that's true prayer. One of the greatest prayers you can pray is just help. That, that's true prayer. When you are in a situation, when you can't do anything about it, and you just come to God, not with fluffy words, things that I might convince them, but just, God, this is what it is. This is what I need. That's what Paul did. It was just a true prayer, like Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane three times. Father, take this cup from me. But if not, if it's your will, help me to get through it. That's true prayer. Going to God in a real relationship in prayer. That's what he did. Well, that's what comforts us in our weakness, true prayer. And then the truth from God's word. Because God came back with, my grace is sufficient. You, you, a lot of Bibles have it in red. I mean, this is Jesus. This is a quote from God. Jesus spoke back to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. When you open up your Bible, God is speaking to you. When you, when you get up in the morning and you don't know what to do, and you say, I wish God would talk to me, you open your Bible and you read it, God is speaking to you. That's his words to you. And what got Paul through this struggle, this tunnel of his life, was true prayer and the word of God. Psalm 94, 19 says, when the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. If you wake up tomorrow morning discouraged, trying to figure out what, what am I doing, I'm in a tunnel, just go directly to God. Say, well, I haven't talked to him in a while. I haven't really, I, I didn't really pay attention yesterday in church, so I don't know if he's going to hear me today. No, you just go to God and say, God, I didn't pay attention yesterday in church, but I still need your help. And you talk to him in real prayer, and you open up his words, and you let his consolations cheer your soul. Till the next moment, you need him to do it again. Until the next moment, you need him to do it again. I mean, just keep coming back. That's what Paul did. This was a man struggling with the greatest burden, a thorn from Satan, a spike in his soul. And he went to God in prayer, and he went to God in his word. And then it says, and God came back, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, something's going to happen after you see the word, therefore. You're going to have to make a decision in your situation, in your weakness, in your tunnel, when you get this information. Therefore, what's Paul going to do with it? God, he prayed, God gave him his consolations. What's Paul going to do with his weakness now? 
you got to make a decision. When you're struggling, and you hear, you pray, and you have God's word, you've got to then respond to it. And Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness. When you're in a weakness, there, there, you've got a decision you've got to, to make. You're either going to trust God, or you are going to take off in your own strength. And there is always tensions when we have tunnel seasons of our life. There's always tensions as Christians. There's always this tension like, God, I thought you were doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And then God causes these struggles. It could be a messenger of Satan. Is this what is going on? There is tension. And we have the tendency for us is to say, oh, I'm just going to figure it out on myself. I'll just figure it out or I will just fight through it. Or you know what? I'm just going to flip the switch and just check out. That's our natural tendency. Paul had that same choice. He got the answer from God. He had the word of God. And he could have said, no, that's not good enough. I'm, I'm going to figure this out. I'll, I'll figure out what's wrong with me. Or I'm going to fight through it. Or you know what, God? If that's what you're going to give me, I'm going to flip the switch. And I'm going to just check out. Paul had that option. And you do too. What, what are you going to do in your weakness? Corey Timboom, who was in the Nazi prison camp in World War II and survived it, lost her dad, lost her sister in the prison camp. She said this, when, you, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. When you're in a tunnel spiritually in your life. You're trying to figure out what God's going to do. When, a, when you go in the tunnel, you, you, you sit still. You don't want to touch anybody else. You, 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 you settle in. You get a little more focused. That's what we're called to do. Therefore, we're going to remain focused. When you're in a tunnel season of your life and things start to go a certain way that you didn't want them to go and there's confusion, there's constant pain, there's constant pressure, you are a prime target to implode your own life. Which is why we need to remain focused. Job, when he was in his situation, when, when he did nothing wrong and all his stuff came to him, if you read through Job, in the midst of it, Job rehearses his past decisions to stay faithful. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes that I will not look upon a woman. In the midst of his pressure, he's not like, oh, I, I made this covenant with God. It's not working out, so I'm going to do what I want. He said, no, this is what I did. I'm going to remain doing what I was doing before. I'm going to remind myself. I'm going to remain focused. And then when you're in a tunnel and you can't see what's going on, we are called to remain focused and just we're called to remember the past scenery. Lamentations 3, 21 through 23 says, but this I call to mind. I don't see it now, but this I call to mind. And therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. When you're in a tunnel and you're just struggling, remain focused 
And remember the past blessings. Remember the past scenery. What God did for you in the past. He, you call it to mind. Bring it up. That's what's going to comfort you in your weakness. And then what's going to compel you in your weakness to keep going? What's going to give you the steam to continue in the face of difficult challenges? I mean, a difficult job, a difficult decade of life, a draining family situation, a discouraging diagnosis, just a dull life, uh, not knowing which direction to go. I mean, delayed results. When all those things are happening and you don't know what to do, what's going to keep giving us the ability to compel us to keep going? What's going to compel us in our weakness is a confidence in God. Paul said, my grace is sufficient for you. Or Jesus said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. My power is in you. Paul was said... Jesus told Paul, hey, just remain confident in me. Remember who I am. It's my power. It's my grace. It's my strength, Paul, that's going to get you through. It's the same for you. He's saying it to you. When I was younger, I love acrostics. I came across the acrostic grace, which means God's riches at Christ's expense. I didn't understand acrostics because I thought it was cool. It was around Christmas time. And so I sat, sat down and, and I wrote out, trying to figure this out. So I thought, God's riches at Christ's expense. That sounds cool. I want stuff for Christmas. So I, I came up with drape, D-R-A-P-E. And I went to my dad and said, hey, dad, for Christmas, I want drape. Dad's riches at Paul's expense. I mean, I thought I had it figured out. He looked at me like I was an idiot and said, that's not what you want. He, didn't, he, he just looks at me, smiles, he goes, that's not what you want. Because that means you're paying for it. We don't want drape. We want grace. God's riches at Christ's expense for us. This is what he says. We have this confidence. That's what's going to compel us, is they have a confidence in the power of Christ and confidence in the love of Christ. This is what Paul sensed. This is what he felt. This unbelievable love of God. The power of Christ. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness because I know who I have believed in. And I will rest, that Christ's power rests upon me. The only reason Christ's power rests upon us is because God loves us. Christ loves us. Every Thursday at BBS, for all the years that we've done it, it's always Gospel Day. And every Thursday, I was thinking about this. I, I get up every Thursday, every Thursday morning. I'll do the beginning, and I will say to all the kids when I, they're, they're sitting down on this table, and I will say to them, "Listen, don't grow up believing that someday, when someone tells you God doesn't care about you, don't don't believe that. Don't believe." That Jesus doesn't love you. Don't, don't let someone tell you the Bible's not true. Don't let someone tell you that Jesus doesn't love you. I say it with unbelievable passion and I say it with unbelievable hope because I'm looking at a bunch of little kids who I know are going to grow up in the world that people are going to say, God doesn't love you. The Bible doesn't care about you. Jesus isn't true. And I thought, you know what? I don't often talk to adults that way. Because I look at adults and they're like scarred by life. They're broken up. They're beaten down. They're still doubting if God loves me. And I'm going to just say this morning, don't believe for a moment that God doesn't love you. The Bible is true. Jesus loves you. Don't doubt it for a moment. When you start to hear that Jesus doesn't love you, 
That's not true. Because his grace is made perfect in weakness. What compels us in our weakness is confidence in the power of Christ, confidence in the love of Christ. And when we know that, we'll trust Jesus. Whatever tunnel situation you're in right now, whatever season you're in right now, Can you say, therefore, I will boast the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me? For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Jesus' power helps us do hard things. Trust Jesus. Jesus' power gives us hope. Trust Jesus. And because of what Jesus did for us, Jesus' power lets us live forever. The best is yet to come. This is the worst it's going to be for us. And in this, God's grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect in weakness so that we can boast more gladly in our weaknesses because we have a good and gracious king do you know jesus and are you trusting in his grace